One way to drive a ton of leads that not many people talk about is events. Not only virtual events, but also in-person events or even a hybrid of the two. I had John Kazarian on and he's awesome around events. He's got so many ideas. He's been in it so long. He knows what are the best practices. How can you drive a lot of leads? How can you make sure you capture those leads? How can you make sure you attribute those leads to where they came from? Whew, all kinds of cool stuff around events. You're going to love this one. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. And welcome to Sastery in the Making. So glad to have you here. Thanks for coming. This is Matt Wallach. I am your host, and I'm really excited to talk to my special guest, John Kazarian. John, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. Let me make sure everybody knows who you are, John. So John is the CEO and founder at Excel Events. Excel Events, it is an everything platform for in-person, virtual, and hybrid events that drive growth. And I'm really super excited to talk about events and how you can run events to make sure you can drive business. He's really focused on leading the company's vision and helping event organizers, marketing professionals transform their events through innovative technology solutions. Super looking forward to this today, John. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, tell me what's going on with you guys lately, and what's coming up. Yeah, I mean we're uh, we're certainly keeping busy uh, right now. What's going on is the shift back to in-person events, and it's really interesting to see the way that event programming is evolving, where organizers are just they're thinking much more holistically about their programming across the in-person and the virtual experiences that they're putting together. I love that. I'm I'm glad we're getting back to to in person. I think that they're As really powerful. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. I, uh, I started way, the company out of hosting in person events, and uh, I miss them. Yeah, yeah, I do like a good in person event. So, uh, was that something? I mean, this is not something we plan on talking about. But when COVID came around, did you guys have to make a shift to get more virtual? Yeah, we were already going down the hybrid path, and uh, so we had a lot of the building blocks in place, but. Certainly, COVID accelerated that, and uh, yeah, it's been a great thing for the industry because technology has just come. You know, we've got ten years and eighteen months, so uh, it's great in that regard. But it's been a big learning curve for event professionals, and you know, even more so for folks who aren't full-time event professionals who are trying to figure out this whole new world of events plus the technology component. Yeah, no kidding. That's definitely a lot going on. But you're right; that did uh, kind of accelerate things. But good thing. I guess comes out of something bad. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back even before that. What gave you the idea to start Excel Events? How'd that happen? Yeah. So uh, it didn't start looking much like it does today. It actually started because, you know, as I mentioned, I was hosting events, and uh, and one of those events I hosted was because uh, my cousin at the age of seventeen was diagnosed with cancer, and I wanted to do something for her. So ultimately, decided to rent out the aquarium in Boston. Got eight hundred and forty people to show up to that first event. And going into it, was already so frustrated with the technology we use for the ticketing process. And this is from one of like the major publicly traded companies. And then I started looking around for, okay, how are we going to run the fundraising component of this? Like, based on the venue, we need to do this digitally. And there just wasn't anything out there that was either affordable or good. Mm -hmm. And um, just really realized that like events are incredibly stressful as is and technology needs to be there to make life easier for, for folks for organizers so built our own solution and uh and it worked really well we got great feedback from the attendees and the organization we put it on for we raised a bunch of money and 
basically felt this obligation to start putting that out there and sharing it with others. So went down that path for a while, continued down the path of, okay, let's just, let's make technology that makes events easier. And, uh, and then we started to focus more heavily on the ticketing side of things and then moving more into conferences. That's where the hybrid components started to come into play. And then obviously with, uh, March of 2020 coming along, we had to make that pivot. But today we're very much focused on professional events ranging from uh, associations through higher education and B2B. And uh, you know, these events, they're, they're generally conference or trade show in nature, mix of educational content and networking opportunities, uh, as well as a big emphasis on delivering for sponsors. But ultimately you know, in the B2B space, these events are they're massive lead gen channels. And I can certainly go down that path. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So if somebody does want to host an event, they've got an event strategy, you know, how can that help drive growth? How, how can they even measure that? Yeah, well, I mean, even to take a step back from there, if you think about what's happened to digital marketing over the past two years, with Apple's war on Facebook and now Google tapping in, third party cookie tracking is just gotten decimated and it's made the traditional mechanisms of digital marketing a lot less effective. What that means in turn is that first party data is all the more valuable. And as you think about different mechanisms for capturing first party data, you've got you know, ebooks and white paper downloads, form fields on a, uh, on a website, but that just gives you a point in time piece of information. And in the world of events, people are willing to give up their registration data, their time, their money, even their cookie tracking, all in exchange for access to your content in your community. And you, as the organizer of that event or the sponsor, are getting access to just this breadth of data that you otherwise wouldn't have, have access to. I mean, instead of one or two data points per attendee, you might get a thousand. And that just becomes so powerful as you think about building your personalization and your marketing campaigns around it. And I'll give you an example. Just imagine your HubSpot for a second. HubSpot, a company that has multiple product lines. Let's say that, Matt, you're using the CRM product, right? And you attend a, an event that HubSpot puts on and you check out a bunch of a bunch of sessions related to the service product. Well, that right there can and should trigger an alert to HubSpot to say, hey, well, Matt's not using our service product, but he checked out a bunch of sessions. Let's see what he's using right now. And let's figure out why he's so interested in taking a look at this tool. Maybe there's a huge product expansion opportunity there. And that's just one example of where that insight and that information and data becomes incredibly powerful for driving growth for your business. Wow. So you can get down to that level. You can actually start to see what they've done and how that might affect other things. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's cool. I didn't know that events had come that far along. Sounds like you guys are doing great with that. Yeah. And you know, that, that concept became much more transparent in the world of virtual, but what we're seeing now with the return to in-person is that the use of mobile apps on site is about 3x what it was in 2019. So there's kind of two components to that. One of which is attendees are not familiar with event tech. It's become an expectation, a norm for them. They know how to use it and you're going to get a higher utilization rate from them because of that. But on the organizer side, you learn that there's so much more information available and where events used to be this almost black hole of like, they make up 25% of B2B marketing budget. So it's a huge segment, but there were this black hole where there wasn't a lot of information or insight that we were able to gather from those events. Now we have access to that information and the organization has learned to expect it 
up to the CMO, the CFO, the CEO. So using a mobile app on site helps us to capture that additional insight that we can then do everything else that we just talked about, passing that information back into our marketing automation suite, into our CRM, into these other tools where we can enrich that information and act upon it. I think that's fantastic. Super cool stuff. I had no idea it was happening, but I agree. Having a just as an attendee, having a, a, a platform, having an events management system is is so much easier. Having the app that you can go through, see the schedule, see who's talking when. I think it's super cool. But if you're running the event, wh what are some of the other reasons why it might be important to have a, a platform to help you run it? Yeah, it you know it really starts by thinking about what's the the experience that you're putting forward and what's the purpose of hosting that event and. Uh, those two questions you obviously want to answer off the bat and then from there get agreement and alignment from management on this is how we're defining success of this event so once you've established that it's easier to think about okay what is the implication of technology for facilitating this event now obviously if it's a virtual event you need technology to run the entire experience buckling together zoom rooms or zoom sessions that's not going to be an event experience and events again are ultimately about creating experience so sure. you need a platform that gives you that power that flexibility and that creative freedom to really deliver that for your attendees uh, but the other thing that the platform itself is going to do is just help you stay organized with all of this help you to manage all of the sessions and the speakers get people in the right place promote your sponsors create opportunities to deliver value for your sponsors and with a lot of organizations just adopting events for the first time over the past two years, we've seen virtual be this almost like the stepping stone to get into in-person events where you can build a series, two, three, four virtual events, build an audience, a following, get speakers into your ecosystem, get sponsors into your ecosystem, and then you de-risk your in-person experience because you already have this audience that's shown interest and engagement is going to participate with that experience. And, um, you know, in the world right now with, with hospitality costs being what they are, travel costs being what they are and the inconveniences, it's, you know, it's, it's worth that effort to make sure that that experience is going to stack up so that you have the opportunity to create another one. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You've got to have the right effort there. But, you know, when you have an event, uh, you know, there's an attribution gap in trying to figure that out. So yeah. how can you, uh, how can you close that gap? Yeah. Uh, well, again, that gap is dependent on what's the purpose of that event, what's the goal of that event. But a lot of it comes down to how you're thinking about that event as part of your entire marketing program and your marketing tech stack. We've seen that marketing ops folks have become involved in about 60% of our uh, purchase decisions or mm -hmm. our customers' purchase decisions because they are really thinking about events as a big staple in their marketing tech stack and a huge driver of leads not just at the very top of the funnel but throughout the stack so as you think about actually analyzing and understanding that that attribution gap part of it does depend on what's the attribution model that your company uses is it first touch is it wv last touch so you have to factor that in as well and theoretically it should follow with the rest of your attribution strategy but often it's more about deals that are influenced than anything mm. else it's often about creating an opportunity where you can have an organic conversation with a customer that doesn't have a schedule, doesn't have agenda associated with it. Because so much of the time you send out a calendar invite, you pick up the phone, there's an agenda. There's a reason that you're talking to that person and it doesn't help you to build the relationship. But here with events, you're creating serendipity. 
And be it virtually or in person, technology is going to assist you in finding the right people that you should be chatting with. Getting notified when your, you know, one of your your um, one of your deals checks into the event, that rep should get notified so they can go and greet that person. That's cool. Both in person and virtual. So you know, ensuring that those experiences happen, logging those touch points automatically, it all leads into measuring the success of that event. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. So if you're if you're running an event, what are some best practices uh, around running a successful event? Yeah, the first one is uh, is is identify what the goal of the event is and what you're going to measure. What's your north star metric? The next is figure out what your your uh, call to action is going to be. I see far too many events that end and there's not a next step that's clear for those attendees. And if you don't know what that next step is, super simple. Get them to register for your next event. Do it when they're gung ho about it, when you've got that excitement behind them. If it's a paid event, give them a huge discount. Let them be an advocate for you. But then throughout the uh, throughout the programming itself, there's a lot of data that becomes available to events. And a lot of that information, people really just they think about it from a post event analytics perspective. But there's so much information available to you in real time that you can also be acting on. For example, if one particular session gets a ton of engagement, there's controversy that arises. You see it in the chat and threaded messages in questions and polls. That right there tells you you've got a great clip that you can post in real time to social. You can even use that to drive last minute registrations if it's a virtual event. You can use that content for repurposing or for remarketing the, the next series of events you run. So there's just there's so much information that just needs to be captured, not just post event, but throughout it. And there's systems that you can put in place to identify based on our goals. What are the things that we're going to be watching out for during this event so that we're ready to go? We just have to grab the video clip, click the button to send out this email blast, whatever it might be. You can set yourself up for success by thinking about that in advance. And it's not a point in time activity or, or workload for you because you can reuse all of that for the next event you run. I love hearing that because, you know, a lot of the things we talk about with our clients is process, have a process that you can scale, you can repeat, you've yep. got it nailed, you've got a playbook, you just do it again and again. It sounds like the best companies that are running events are doing it with a process that you can just plug it in. Here we go. Let's rock it. Yeah, absolutely. That's phenomenal. I love it. So what are some of the biggest mistakes companies are making when they're trying to run either a virtual event or in-person events that are causing them some real challenge? Yeah. Uh, look, at the end of the day, there is so much competition for people's attention. You've got to beat TikTok. You got to beat Instagram. You have to put content out there that's going to be that valuable to folks if it's a content-based event. And a lot of people don't put enough emphasis into ensuring that the production quality is there, that the speakers are ready to go, that the topics are going to be relevant for their audience. If you really do take the time to think and deliver on that, you're going to create an experience that moves the needle. It keeps people engaged throughout and it keeps them coming back. Super important. I think that's what it's all about is uh, getting that needle moved and getting the, you know what I love is an event that kind of creates a buzz, you know? It does. Yeah. And, and to that point, like that's obviously the content side of it. But the other huge factor, and this is more true with in-person events, is the networking opportunities. That serendipity, the opportunity to run into somebody else. And when you think about marketing an event, if you can if you can really understand who it is that you're targeting with that event and what that persona looks like, 
you know who those people are looking to meet, who they're looking to run into. And if you can show them that, hey, there's this opportunity where there's going to be 600 people that are right up your alley. You meet with one of those person people and it was worth the trip out here. If you can figure out a way to communicate that, then you're going to see success with that, with that event uh, marketing. And then during the event itself, yes, stick people in a room, they'll talk to each other, but create ways for them to do so. Create those opportunities, create the topical lounges, the forums, so that people do come together, break the ice for them. Are there any unique or creative ways people have done that that you've seen be like, well, that's that's really cool? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things we've seen. Uh, you know, one I saw in a virtual setting was uh, this organization, they, they sent out a box to all of their VIPs uh, a couple of days before the event. And in that box, there was an envelope and every envelope had Thirty on the time on 9 30 a.m 10 30 a.m in the local time obviously and between sessions the mc came on and they asked everybody okay take the 9 30 envelope out here's a backstory on this uh you know this chocolate and where it came from and we're all going to share that together and it created this this virtual shared experience but invoking multiple senses right and that becomes something that becomes so much more memorable another one of those boxes had a candle everybody but uh Lit the candle together. Everybody smells wow. that together. And that just creates this more memorable experience. Now, obviously, that's the world of virtual and people are coming together for that. But in the world of in person, you can do very similar things and you can structure things again around topics. Give people the opportunity to find that information in advance, find the audience in advance. And this is where the event platform comes back into play because you can create those opportunities for people to get to know each other first, to search for people based on tags or titles and set meetings in advance so that their time on site is as valuable and powerful as it possibly can be. And if you do that, then you're creating community. And that community is not based on your company. It's based on what your company was able to do with bringing people together. And that will keep folks coming back and keep them talking about what it is that you do. Yeah, I totally agree. It's music to my ears to hear you talk about setting meetings before you get there. I train my clients to do that. We used to do that a lot. It really was a big boost to our company before we went to an event, uh, usually as a uh, maybe an attendee or an exhibitor. Just setting those meetings beforehand was was critical to making sure you got enough ROI out of the event. So uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. Any other strategies that people should be employing around events? Yeah. Um if you're thinking about an event where you are, um, you know, a lot of B2B companies, it's less about the sponsors, but where I see some, some organizations, I won't say drop the ball, but there's a, you know, an additional room for opportunity is think about your partners. So whatever your partner might be, it might be integration partners. It might be go to market or delivery partners, bring them into your event experience, give them an opportunity to promote themselves throughout that experience. You're deepening the relationship with them, but, they're also going to be inclined to promote your event throughout their channels. If you've got, say, an integration with them, that's obviously somebody who you want to be continuing to promote to their audience because mm -hmm. you obviously have an overlapping client base there. So find ways to incorporate the rest of your ecosystem into your event experience and don't charge them for it. Just bring them in because that's going to be a mutually beneficial experience and they should return the favor. I love that. Uh, now, speaking about your own company, Excel Events, yeah. You know, what were some of the best things that you guys did to get yourselves off the ground, get things rocking and make things happen? Yeah. So, uh, so we were bootstrapped for the first seven years and I, uh, I was building at nights and weekends. 
it was, you know, it was really about talking to customers and uh, with limited resources, limited time, had to be very strategic about where we were spending our, our emphasis and our focus. But I'd say that the most important thing that we did was from day one, ensuring that we had real-time human customer support. And you know, we set up Intercom back in like 2015. I remember pulling over on the side of the highway at 95 once to, to respond to a customer on a Saturday night because they had an event going on and they had a question. And when you build an event experience, you spend three months creating this thing that culminates in sometimes three hours. You don't, you don't have 10 minutes to wait for a response. Mm -mm. So being there for our customers and building that relationship just went so far and deep that it led to them becoming advocates on our behalf, but also it led them to trusting us and knowing that they were being heard by a human, not a bot. And they just became so much more inclined to share feedback with us. And that allowed us to evolve and adapt much, much faster than we otherwise would have been able to through more, call it more structured me measures like uh, you know, advocacy groups and, uh, and whatnot. So yeah, ultimately I would say that would be be the number one thing. And as the business grew and our team grew, we always made that number one priority. Uh, you know, even today, our, our median response time on chat is 26 seconds. Um, and again, that's with a real person, not a bot. So uh, we're there for our customers and it makes all the difference. Yeah, I'd say that's amazing. It's something that I ask on a lot of podcasts is, and, and to hear that that was a big focus for you and having that customer service be a, be a huge priority for you is huge. It's something that I've liked within my SaaS companies, made sure that we had great customer support. And it really does make a difference. I love that you you reference a Saturday night. Yeah, that's when a lot of your events are happening. That's when that's when things happen. So I, I think it's amazing that shows all kinds of uh, care and determination that you have, John, and I bet your company has it as well that uh, you have for your customers. I think that's great. So uh, this has been cool. I really appreciate it. We've run out of time, sadly. But how can our audience learn more about you and Excel Events? Yeah, definitely. So uh, so take me up on that on that customer support side of things. Head over to our website. It's accelevents.com. Send us a message in the chat. And uh, if you don't hear back from us in 30 seconds, then find me on LinkedIn. Let me know. It's John Kazarian on LinkedIn. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, I used to do that uh, on sales calls. If people kind of questioned our support and said, are yeah. you sure it's really that good? I would actually bring in a third line and call the support line right there with the with the uh, prospect on the line. And they would pick up like, hey, how can I help you? And they're like, whoa, that's so cool. So uh, I love that. Awesome. Glad you called that out. But John, this is awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And everybody else out there, thank you for coming. Really appreciate you watching and listening. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. You do not want to miss any other leaders like John. They're coming up. Really cool stuff happening. So make sure you're subscribed and we'll see you next time. Take care.